Uh, it's Christmas break, and people are having fun with their family, and people are uh, out doing things. I know a lot of people are at the movies. We got a chance to go to the movies as a family yesterday, the day before, and uh, ate a bunch of popcorn, had a good time, ate a bunch of junk, as I always do. That's what I like to do. We went to see Annie, and uh, never thought I'd go see Annie, but I went to see Annie. And I'm realizing I'm a pretty sentimental guy. I'm looking over, and I'm knowing my wife is crying and she's looking back at me and I'm crying. So it's a pretty, pretty touching movie. It's got to be real, real powerful, right? So it was, it was a good one. But there's another movie out right now that I've not seen. And it's called Exodus, Gods and Kings. And I, I haven't seen it. I'm not sure. I don't have a, a, you know, a stamp of approval or not. Um, I know this. As biblical movies come out, whether they're super accurate or not, uh, I love the fact that they are coming out because I believe it gets people talking. I think it gets people talking about important things about God and gets people interested who may not normally be. So for me, I think it's a good thing. Uh, and I think as long as we as followers of Christ are kind and considerate, whether we think it's perfect or not, I think it's good to have dialogue about those kinds of things. Uh, now, the story, of course, is about Moses leading the people out of bondage in, Israel, in, in Egypt. And uh, so if you look in your Bible, you'll see in Exodus, we see the real story. Now, we're not going to turn there now. I will refer to some of it today. But we see the real story played out thousands of years ago as Moses freed the Hebrews, freed the, freed the Israelites from slavery. We were playing a game the other night as a family. And one of the things that, uh, say anything, I think was the name of the game. It was one, what are some of the most amazing places in the world that have been built um, in by far, the vote was the pyramids. I would love to have seen the pyramids. And I don't think it was until I was in my 20s when I finally became a believer that I finally read the Bible and realized who built them. Um, uh, the fact that the Israelites were in bondage all those years and they, the Hebrews actually built the, the pyramids. So what an amazing thing I would love to see. But by a great miracle, Moses, with God's help, uh, leads the people through the Red Sea on dry ground. And then, of course, they wander through the, the wilderness for about 40 years because they've uh, been disobedient. And then Moses dies and he ordains Joshua and says, Joshua, you now lead the people. You now lead them in this time. And he's the one who's going to lead them into the promised land. And then at the end of Joshua chapter 3, we see another great miracle of God. And that is where God leads his people into the promised land. And here's how it plays out. God, God tells Joshua, tell the priests, tell the priests to carry the ark of God. And as they get just to the water's edge, tell them to step in and basically see what happens. And it's at the flood stage. So the Jordan River is pretty wide right now. And so they do it. The priests carry the ark and right as they get to the water's edge, the water stops upstream. And it literally stops so far upstream that it, uh, immediately right before their eyes dries out and they're able to walk in the, in the priest carrying the ark of God stop in the middle of the river. And literally the rest of the Israelites walk across on dry ground. It's an amazing sight. It's one of those things where I would love to see that. I would literally, not only that, but I'd love to see the parting of the Red Sea that Moses did. And, and so the priests walk into the middle and the rest of them walk into the promised land. And that's where we pick up today. Because not only did God tell them what to do to get across and into the promised land, but then he tells them to grab 12 stones out of the riverbed. And he tells them to carry them to where they're going to camp that night. 
And I've been there back in 2008. I uh, went with a team and we went to Israel. And we went to Gilgal. We went to Jericho, but not far from there is Gilgal. Of course, right after Gilgal, where they stack these stones, they attack Jericho, which is the walls come tumbling down. So not far from there is Gilgal, and it's an awesome place, and I got a chance to see it. But ushers, if you would come, I would like to pass out Bibles. For those who don't, we always read from God's Word. We're going to read from Joshua chapter 4. So if you don't have one, raise your hand. We'll bring you one to borrow, or you can keep it if you don't have one. But turn to Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to read the first seven verses of what this account is of where God tells the Israelites to grab these 12 stones. So here it is, Joshua chapter 4. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you, And put them down at the place where you stay tonight. That was Gilgal. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And so they're to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan as a sign. And I see, I believe God wanted the Israelites to remember what he had done. Not only what he had just done, but what he had done. And I, I think Joshua, as he was told this, I think the last 40 plus years began to play over in his mind. I think he began to think about all the good times that they had had, all the challenging times, all the great miracles of God and amazing things that he was, be, he was able to witness. And I can imagine these, these rocks represented a lot of memories for him. And today, I want you who are here today, I want you to reach back into 2014, and I want you to think about some rocks of remembrance, some stones that I want you to grab out of 2014. I want you to think about that. And in verse 5, it says this, it says, each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder. Now, stones that are heavy have to be carried where? Well, if you've ever had to haul a bunch of them, this is not the best way. This is hard. Stones that are heavy, stones that weigh a lot, you've got to pick them up and it's best to throw them up on your shoulder and you can walk with them. And if they had to walk a little ways, which they did, you wouldn't want to drag them like this. So these are, these are heavy. These are, these are stones that took a little bit to move and to, to get to where they were supposed to be. And, and as you think about kind of these rocks of remembrance for 2014, some of the things that you think about, some of the things were life-changing and, and some were very difficult to not only go through, but they're difficult to carry that you've carried since then. And some of them were the greatest events that you've experienced in a long time, and you hope to repeat them this year. Because I don't know about you, because every one of us has a different story. We shared my story at Christmas Eve. Every one of you has your own story. But I can tell you that 2014 started out kind of tough, and there were some, some challenges along the way. I can remember Heather and I looking at each other a few times going, man, this has been a tough year. I mean, the first few months were kind of like, bam, bam, bam. 
And some of them were financial and different things. It's like, how many of you have had to pay for braces for your kids? You know, how many of you have wrecked your car on New Year's, or New Year's Eve like we did last year and had to buy a car in the first? Yeah, all those fun things. And you're like, gosh, this has turned out to be an awesome year. So I don't know what kind of a year you've had, but I hope you'll think about a few things. Think about three areas, and I'm going to walk you through them. And I want you to focus on these, and I want you to take these and use them to have an even better 2015 for your family, for your career, and possibly for the Lord. So let's take a look at what stood out this year and what we can learn from. So I've titled this Rocks of Remembrance. And the first rock, I'm going to come over here and grab one of these. I've grabbed some rocks. Now, these are not exactly backbreakers, but this is the biggest that I could find on short notice. So I'm going to throw it up here, even though, you know, I could, you know, I'm so buff. I could just carry it with one hand. But I'm going to, that was a joke. I'm going to, I'm going to throw this big rock up here. This Rock of Remembrance is for the great events that you want to repeat some great things that happened that you hope to repeat. And I, I think that as Joshua was looking back over the last 40 years, I think one of the great things that he thought about was no doubt walking through the Red Sea. Now, maybe it's the obvious one, but can you imagine? Again, it's one of those that I would love to have been there to walk through and go, you've got to be kidding me. How did this happen? We're walking through on dry ground. Exodus 14 captures it, 15 and 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Man, not only was this an amazing physical thing that they just got to see, but they literally followed God and they they escaped their enemies. People who were trying to come down and crush and kill them, they followed God and escaped their biggest enemy. Man, what a great event. I'm sure that was top on Joshua's list. And then I'm sure Joshua thought of the great event that had just occurred from Joshua 3.17. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Another amazing miracle by God. This was hundreds of years in the making. Literally from the time of Abraham and and God telling Abraham to go because he had a place for them. This is hundreds of years in the making and literally this is a huge event for them. This is one of those faith building moments. They just got to cross over into the promised land. And I believe that great events shape our lives. But they can also become what I think are some, some of the rock pillars that can help you to firm uh, and have a very firm and stable life for God and for your family. Things that when tough times come, you can remember back and say, but I remember that pillar in my life when God did something great that helped me. I can remember when that happened. And so I reached back at 2014 and I thought about some great events that I experienced. Some of the things that were amazing events in my life that I hope to repeat and I I thought about the time that I got to spend with my family. I got to spend more time with my family in 2014. And I hope to repeat that. I think of the fact that the Royals went to the World Series, and I hope they repeat that. But I can remember being there with my son, and thanks to the generosity of my father-in-law, we got to go to the game. And I, and I think of one thing that I'd actually like to do over, if you were there or watched it on television, in the first inning, uh, the A's Moss hit a home run. 
And I was a baseball player, so I think I'm a decent athlete. I should have caught this. But if you remember, Moss hit a home run. And if you watch, if you go to the internet, you can watch a guy in a blue shirt and a white hat come running down the stairs and go to catch the ball. And it hits right off my hand and goes underneath someone's seat. And the guy reaches under, grabs it. And before I can grab it, he throws it back on the field. And I almost punched him out. <laughs> Because I had my 11-year-old son, and the last time the Royals went to the World Series, I was 11. And I was going to hand that ball to him, and I looked at him like, did you really just throw that back on the field? I would have taken it off your hands, really. But if I could have had that over. But I think of a great moment. That was a great moment that I got to experience. My son seeing me walk down the deal, and then, of course, I should have caught it. I know you would have caught it. But I dropped the ball. But I I saw great moments. I went on a missions trip with my wife to South Africa. Man, I hope to repeat that again with with my wife and with my whole family. I read more articles. Now, that may not seem like a great event, but to me it was, I learned so much. As as our church has grown and and as, you know, we've done more in small groups, I've wanted to learn more so that I could could be good at what I do. And so I read more, and and I hope to repeat that. I saw God move more people to small groups in 2014 than he has ever since. And I hope 2015 is even better. More and more people were getting involved in relationships and growing in their faith and being in. And I hope to see that repeated next year. I had a great short romantic getaway with my wife. And you can bet I hope to repeat that. Uh, We celebrated 15 years of marriage this year. We got a chance to get away for a few days. And... uh, I'd like to repeat that. I'd like to go for 30. Are you down for that? We're going to go for 30 years. And then I think we should go for 45 years. See, I come from a family of divorce. And I've had my kids ask me, what about you and mom? Are you ever going to do that? And I tell them, no. No. We're together. So, but here's the deal. If you heard my story on Christmas Eve, you heard that I was not always such a good guy. I heard her a lot when we dated before, and I had to regain her trust. I I wasn't the man that God wanted me to be. I wasn't the man that she needed me to be. And as we grew, God changed my life, and I became not only the man God wanted me to be, but the man God wanted me to be for her. And if you saw my story, I mentioned a few things that I have repeated every year in my life that have helped me to become that. I learned to read my Bible, and I repeat it every year. I learned to get Christian men in my life, and I hang out with them every year. I learned to get into a men's Bible study, and I repeat it every year. I learned to do some things that I have repeated, and it's helped me to grow in my faith. I learned to put God first in my finances, and that wasn't easy. And I repeat it every year. I learned what Philippians 1.6 says. This is a verse I learned a long time ago. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. And I believe that every year for my life. He's not done with me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I believe that verse for my life every year. What were they for you? What were the great events for you that you want to repeat, that you need to repeat? What do you, what do you want God to, to continue to do in your life next year? I hope you'll think about that. I hope you'll think about what is the rock of remembrance for me? What great events occurred? Now, sometimes even in the midst of our greatest spiritual highs, we can experience some missed opportunities. 
we can miss some times where God is moving in our life. And the second rock that I want to grab represents missed opportunities. So this second one are the missed opportunities in your life in 2014, and I want you to think about those. I know Joshua no doubt had these going through his mind as he, as he reflected on the last 40 years, and I, I know that he saw Israel experience missed opportunities. In Exodus 16, verse 2, it says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And then verse 3, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. They were grumbling because they, they wanted food. I'll have to say, as much as I've judged them, I might have been one of them. I probably would have got hungry after 30 minutes and been complaining. In Exodus 17, verse 2, it says, So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. They're grumbling for some water. And see, God had just done this amazing miracle, and they're not even that far, and they already they don't trust God for this journey that he was taking them on. And ultimately, this grumbling and this lack of trust in God created their biggest missed opportunity. We see this missed opportunity in Numbers chapter 16, or 14, verse 26 through 31 says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who, who, was, who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make you, your home, except Caleb, and Joshua, they're the ones, of course, that went out to scope the land. They came back with faith in God and trust. We can do it. They're the two of the others. The others didn't get to enter the promised land. They did. So as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. So they missed their greatest opportunity because of their lack of trust in God, because of their grumbling. They were, they were forced to roam in the wilderness for 40 years. And I thought about it as I've read, if you've read the Old Testament, how many times did they have where God was literally leading them through every step where they just doubted and they missed opportunities of God leading them? What about you? What were some missed opportunities that you had this year? What prompting of the Lord did you have on your heart that you missed? What was it God was nudging you to do, but because of perhaps some, some fear, maybe some busyness, you let... You let those things stand in the way of doing something. Maybe you had a lack of trust whether or not God would help you through it, that you, you missed an opportunity to be used by him. And I know sometimes maybe we'll plan ahead and we'll commit to do something. We'll say, I'm going to do this. And I thought about it. I know that I had some, but what were they for you? Did you commit this year that you were going to read your Bible, but you missed? Did you commit that you were going to serve in the community, but you missed? Did you have it in your mind, you're really thinking, I'm going to start praying with my spouse, but the year's almost over and you've missed? Did you think about it and you thought, you know what, I think I'm going to work out, but you missed? Did you think, I'm going to get in a small group, I just know it this year, they've been talking about it, they've told me I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. It's December 28th, I think I've missed. Were you going to invite someone to church? Were you going to get your finances right? Were you going to start giving to God's work one day? But you've missed. 
And we've all missed. It's not it. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I hope God's moving in your heart as you think about these things. But we all have things we fail. But I'm reminded of Proverbs 16.3 that says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. And I believe that if you'll think about these things and realize that these are some things that I need to do, that if you'll give it to him, he'll help. Are these things, all of these things, things that God would want to accomplish? You growing closer to him, you, you getting involved, you serving, you, you giving to his work. Are these all things? So I believe that if you'll commit them to him, he'll help them not be missed opportunities. I can think of a missed opportunity that's been nagging me over the last several months. It's become kind of a rock of remembrance for me because I think about it. There's only three days left of the year. And this is someone that was going to be someone I shared the Lord with. And now there's three days left of the year and I haven't. And I only say that it's a rock of remembrance for 2014 because this person is moving and I don't know how much time I have. In fact, I, I think the window's pretty short. And so for me, this is a missed opportunity and I hope that I can remedy it. Remedy it. I've been thinking and praying about opportunity that I might have to, to have a chance to sit down and talk with this person and just share my heart and have him ask questions. So one of the rocks of remembrance is missed opportunities. And I want you to think about it, and I don't want you to beat yourself up, but I want you to realize that this is important enough. These were things that maybe you set out to do, or you felt God nudging you to do, and you need to do them in 2015. Think about that rock of remembrance. And sometimes our missed opportunities are because of things that happened that we never want to have happen again. And rock number three is actually the heaviest rock It's actually the bigger one because I think at times it can be the most impactful. And it represents the things that occurred that you never want to happen again. And you know what they are. God knows what they are. Maybe a a few people know what they are, but you know what they are. Maybe it's something that happened this year that you don't want to have happen again. And as as the Israelites continued to travel, God led them through a variety of pitfalls. And God was leading and directing Moses soon after they got out of Egypt. And he goes up at one point, he goes up onto Mount Sinai, and he's meeting with God, and he's communing with God, and he's getting direction for Israel. And he's actually getting the Ten Commandments. And they're down below, and when they think they've waited long enough, like, where's this Moses guy? Well, we've been down here for almost 40 days. Where's he's at? They decide to take control. And as I think about it, how many times do we do the same thing? We take control. We take control of things, and and the Israelites decided to take control, and they created their own gods. Literally, they call over Moses and have him make a golden calf. You see it in Exodus 32. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. This is one of those things where we can kind of shake our head and realize you should never do that again. I think we can all sit back and kind of go, man, that was, that was really dumb. Until we take a look at our own life and realize that we've probably all done some dumb things. But how often do we do some of those things and we realize, man, I should never do that again. Some of those Luke 17, 32 things, and I'll share with you what that is in a moment. It's It's a story from Genesis chapter 19. And if you're not familiar off the top of your head with Genesis chapter 19, there's a man named Lot. He's the nephew of Abraham. 
And when Abraham is led to go towards the promised land, at one point they settle and he says, Lot, I think you need to go your way. I'm going to go my way. You choose. And Lot chooses what he kind of thinks is the more fertile area. He sees this city down here, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he he decides to go there with his family. Well, becomes a very decadent and, and, uh, and sinful place, and God ends up bringing judgment on him. But before he does, he decides that he would spare those who are living righteously. In fact, Abraham kind of cries out for that, and they, they have this dialogue, and God says, okay, I'll do that. And so as the angels are going into the city, they go and they're looking for righteous people, and of course, they only find Lot. And, and, and he brings his family, and as they're leaving, they're warned, don't look back. This is, judgment is coming. And as they're leaving, Lot's wife, I believe in her desire to not leave her past, her desire because she likes those things, she turns back. She's turned into a pillar of salt. That is something never to do again. That sinful act that she had ultimately cost her her life. And as I've thought about it, this was so bad that as I was looking at Scripture, Jesus actually references this very thing. He's talking to the Pharisees. In Luke chapter 17, and he says, remember Lot's wife. And I thought, what a warning. Remember Lot's wife. You see, this was a bad decision never to be repeated. And I thought, what is it for you? What was it this year? What were the things never to be repeated? Was it a a bad financial decision that you're still paying for? Was it a bad relational decision that really brought some real difficulty to your life or your extended family's life and you're still trying to wrestle through it? Did you make some some wrong moral decisions this year that's caused some crisis in your heart and your spirit? You're uneasy and you're not sure how to work through it. And this next one is one that I had to wrestle with and I've had to ask God to help me with. Did Did you wrestle with some impatience that sometimes turned to anger? Or did you wrestle with some unforgiveness that really drove a wedge between you and somebody else or you and others or maybe even you and God? I want to share something with you. There's a verse that I caught as I was reading. And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it said this. And this was Joshua's words to the people right before he was getting ready to lead them into the promised land. And listen to what he says. In verse 5, he says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. This word, if you look at it, means to make or declare sacred. Literally, set apart, dedicated to serve God. It means to clean up your life. It means to, to to become holy, to ask God to forgive you. And I thought about it. What do you need to clean up in your life? You don't, you don't have to tell me, but what is it between you and God that you may need to ask God to forgive you? What occurred this year that you need to say, God, forgive me? 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Again, I shared my story Christmas Eve. And I have to say that putting that together was, it was fun, it was exciting, but it was painful. And as, as they sent it to me, 
Scott sent it to me, and I watched the first 10 seconds, and I lost it. And I texted him. I said, I can't. I can't watch anymore. Heather wasn't home. I said, I was going to watch it. I'm going to wait till she gets home to watch it with me. And as I saw it, I just thought, Lord, I hope. And as I prayed before Christmas Eve, I said, Lord, I hope you'll impact some people because of the things that happened in my life. And as I thought about it, one of the rocks of remembrance for my life that I never want to do again is how I used to abuse alcohol and how it literally destroyed my life for a while. It caused a lot of pain in my wife's. We weren't married then. This was back when we dated. It caused a lot of pain in her life. It caused a lot of difficulty in mine. And for me, I hang on to that rock of remembrance because it's, it's where I never want to go again. It's why I stopped drinking over 15 years ago because it was a place that, for me, it just caused too many problems. And I want to ask you, is your life ready for God to do some amazing things? And I don't mean perfect. But I mean, what are the things that happened this year that you know just can't happen again? You just need to set those aside. They didn't help you grow closer to God this year. In fact, you know there were some things that you're not proud of, maybe even ashamed of, and you've been, maybe you've been trying to work on it, but you just need to finally nail it in the ground, nail the coffin shut on it, and say, I'm done with that. I can't, I can't do that. I can't live like that anymore. It's caused too many difficulties. I know it's caused me to miss some real opportunities for God. I don't know what it is for you, but I, I want you to remember Lot's wife. Don't, don't go back to those things that you did this year that you know you can never do again. Let them be a, a rock of remembrance for you. As we close, I, I want to look back at what God's intentions were for the Israelites to do this. Look with me at Joshua 4, 6 through 7. It says, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I hope that as you think about these things, you'll let them be things that you know that you want to repeat, things that you know that you miss, that you want to remedy, and things that you never want to do again. And as people ask you, what did you learn this year or what wisdom did you gain this year? As you think about it, they ought to be from things that came about from the events of your life in 2014. My kids are getting older. I've, I've got four kids. Three of them are in this service. Uh, my oldest is 13. My son's 11. I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And I'm beginning as they get older to try to pour some wisdom into their life. And the wisdom that I'm sharing with them comes from these things. What about you? What are you going to share? My son, I asked him this question on the way home from church last week. Last week was awesome. If you weren't here, we had 17 baptisms right after church. And I asked Mason, I said, do you ever wonder why, God, why, why your dad does what he does? And he kind of said, yeah, sometimes. I said, for day, days like today. I said, did you hear all those people say that Jesus changed their life? That's why your dad does what he does. Did you hear how many of them said, man, since I came to JCI, God's been transforming my life. Man, since I came to JCI, I heard the gospel and my life has never been the same. I said, now, JCI doesn't transform their life, but we, we exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And I said, that's, that's why your dad does what he does. That's why I'm so glad to be a part of what's happening here. So as you think about 
2014, and as you think about the great events of your life, and as you think about missed opportunities, and as you think about some of those things you know you should never do again, I hope they will become rocks of remembrance for you that become great wisdom and great stepping stones and great rock pillars for good things in your life. Let's pray.